Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Endless Space 2, Age of Wonders, Planetfall, Civilization, and much, much more. Hey Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Nate, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm doing all right. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I'm through the worst part of my job, and uh, I'm going to be going on vacation here real soon. So, uh, yeah, I think I've earned it. Sure, sure. You've earned it, and hopefully when you're on your vacation vacating, you are vacationing. <laughs> <laughs> And not worrying about anything of of anything of anything of consequence, because there's plenty of things to worry about. I oh, mean, yeah. no doubt. we'll talk about Steam later. There's there's a disaster in the slow burn or fast crash disaster in the making right there. Yeah, but we'll discuss no that later. Let's talk about something good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Endless Space too? Yeah. All right. So uh, they finished up um, the the whole contest for. Uh, that uh, espionage faction, but that's not what the next expansion is going to be about. The next expansion for Endless Space 2 is uh, something entirely secret, at least as far as the public goes. And what they're going to do over there at Amplitude is open up the next expansion uh, to fans who want to register for a closed beta. So you can get on their Games Together forums. Uh, if you don't have an account, you can sign up for one. And uh, you can register using their beta sign-up form to to get in on the closed beta for the next expansion, which is pretty cool. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it because, like I said, I'm going on vacation. Registration doesn't start until June 14th. So after hearing this, you still have some time to get ready, get the game, uh, sign up for your um, your account on the Amplitude forums, which I highly recommend you do. It, it's it's easy to do. You get to vote on cool uh, community contests and all that sort of thing. So uh, it's great. I, I highly encourage people to do it. Agreed. Now, one caveat is that the way they pick the beta, the closed beta testers, has a lot to do with the participation in the forum. So if this is somebody who's newly registered, never really said word one about anything, the likelihood of them getting it is non-existent, unless something's changed that I don't know about, which is always possible. And um, as you said, this is uh, this is not the expansion for this is not the espionage expansion. This is something else, and uh, I can't really talk about it. But it's cool. Let me just leave it out there. <laughs> but it's something that's cool that I cannot talk about. So we're back to that again. I mean, I promised not to do that for a while, but I guess you know here we are. Yeah. So let's stay on with the space topic, and let me tell you a little bit about Dawn of Andromeda. Now, we're going to mention this game a little bit later for a different reason, but in the meantime, they just released patch 1.41. Now, this is not uh, a giant patch. It's mostly bug fixes and little tweaks as based that's based on the reports from the players. What's really important here is that they're continuing to support the game. And now, again, this is something that we'll talk about later on with another title, which is going to be an interesting conversation. But the developers for Dawn of Andromeda, they keep, you know, they keep trying. They recently had an, uh, the Subterfuge expansion, which we will have coverage for at some point in the future. And, and for anybody that's like, oh, what's going on? You guys are not. It's. Look, it's for a bunch of titles. We're behind on a bunch of things. There's all of us are just swamped, completely and utterly swamped with real life stuff. And, you know, we're, we're a fan outfit. And as a result of that, sometimes we can get stuff out early and sometimes we can't. And that's just all there's to it. And, you know, really sorry about that. But, you know, I can't, I can't do nothing about it. You know, I can't make anybody do something that I cannot do myself. And even if I could, I wouldn't. So having said that, good on them. Keep it up. Um, 
keep putting stuff out there. We'll keep talking about it. And hopefully in the near future, we'll have our piece about subterfuge and an update about the state of Donovan Andromeda. And let me see what else we got. Oh, Age of Wonders Planfall. So now there hasn't been any new news items since the last time that we spoke about it. But what there is, is I was um, talking to one of the guys who was in the closed beta for Age of Wonders 3, and he's a forum member. And I was asking him about where, you know, where can I mine to get information? First thing he said, it goes, well, Discord's always good. And it's like, yes, yes, I know Discord. Besides Discord, where else can I get information? <laughs> it's like, well, let me give you, let me give you a thread to look at. So this is the official forums for Age of Wonders 3 Planetfall. Though now I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, uh, Paradox is integral. Well, and I'm pretty sure, I'm 100% sure, I know they are. But what I'm saying is that, like, Paradox is involved in it now. So there's going to be a whole lot more information coming. There's going to be dev diaries or dev journals or however they're going to come. But anyways, this is something that the community has put together. And if you think that the Paradox dev journals are thorough you have not seen the work of Age of Wonders 3 fans. And now that's being transposed over Age of Wonders Planetfall. So there's not really much to discuss here because I could probably dedicate about 12 or 13 shows just to that. And I do not, I'm not kidding when I say that because I think that the community has sussed out probably every single mechanic that is going to be in the game based on Age of Wonders 3, based on little comments here and there, based on information. So just click on the link in the notes, and you're going to be just floored by the amount of information. So if you were not excited for Age of Wonders Planetfall, you will be. And if you're still not excited for Age of Wonders Planetfall, then I, I would suggest you go and speak to somebody professional that can help you figure out why you're not excited. Now, granted, we are the professionals and we're telling you get excited because it's going to be something really, really cool. But if you don't trust us and, you know, we're not good enough for you, then wait for some of the other outlets to go ahead and, you know, shine some light on this title. But seriously, this game is... Had we known about this earlier in the year, we knew. It's not true. We knew that this was coming. We just didn't know the specifics. And Rob actually predicted this game like a year and a half ago or a year ago. So, yeah, we knew, but we didn't know. And now that we know, we want to know more. And if that wasn't cryptic enough, just click on the link in the notes and you'll understand what I'm talking about. And you'll be speaking in tongues too before long. So don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, very cool. I'm excited about uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall also. And next we're going to talk about Total War Three Kingdoms, though. And mm -hmm. Total War Three Kingdoms did uh, a, a really brief Q&A. Um, it, it was, uh, let's see, it was uh, Janos Gaspar, game, game director for Total War Three Kingdoms. I hope I'm doing that name correct. And, uh, yeah, uh, better than me. Okay. And I would say Janos. Could be. Janus, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so anyway, the, the first question is, why Three Kingdoms China? And Janos says, it's packed with drama. The period is brimming with the tales of brotherhood, rivalry, treachery, civil war, and conquest. And he goes on and on and on about that stuff, but never gets to the truth. Steam has opened up in China, and China is a huge video game market now, and so this makes good business sense. So that's why we're getting Three Kingdoms. And Three Kingdoms is one of the few eras uh, in Chinese history and folklore that Western people like us are familiar with. So, uh... I, well, I find it amusing when they kind of dance around the subject. <laughs> oh, it's not just that. It's, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. But the thing is, is like when people think of China, of Chinese history, a lot of the, a lot of the movies that we watched and the shows that we watched and the video games that we watched, a lot of them were linked to the Three Kingdoms era. Yeah, exactly. You know? So exactly. that's what, and... that's the Western exposure to China is Three Kingdoms, you know? And and that's really a, f like, there's fantastical, fantastical interpretations of the game, which could border, you know, Warhammer, um, Total War Warhammer, right? And then there's versions that are 
you know, semi-historic, which are closer to like regular Warhammer games. Well, yeah, you're starting to versions. steal my thunder there, Nate. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so anyway, my bad, he, my bad. Uh, Take your thunder back. I don't want it. Take it yeah. back. Yanos goes on to to explain, you know, how does the popular romanticized view of events differ from the history books? And he, he does, like, I can tell they've really researched this, and this is really good. He talks about uh, Lu Guangzhong's uh, 14th century epic, which adds a lot of the fantastical elements you were just referencing, Nate. And he says, we're basing our game more on Chen Shu's 3rd century text, which is uh, less fantastical uh, and composes more of like um, what we might call factual data, such as army compositions, taxes, levies, uh, things like that. So, and you know, that makes a lot of sense for something like a total war game right because here we are we're a strategy game you have to manage armies and infrastructure and uh cash flow and and supplying your guys and all that sort of things and so uh going to the text that has the more uh fact fact based account uh more more grounded in i don't know the the minutiae or mundanities of the the campaign makes a lot of sense for the game so that i think that's that's really cool and um you know there there's a couple of other things that he mentions uh you know there, there's it's still early in the development for this and you know there's there's certain uh elements of the the romance of the three kingdoms that they're going to draw on for this uh but in the classic mode of the game it's going to be based more on the records of the three kingdoms, right? So you got the romance of the three kingdoms, the more fantastical, uh, lyrical narrative part, and the records of the three kingdoms, which is more, um, oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling. The, 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 the more perhaps accurate and, um, fact. I'm trying not to steal your thunder here. Yeah. I'm just keeping quiet. Excellent. Uh, (laughs) so anyway, that, that's total war three kingdoms as it stands right now. And, uh, I, I'm I'm glad to see they're putting a lot of effort into um, researching it. They also uh, put out a YouTube video, and it's called an, like an in-engine trailer. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing mm-hmm. what that means is they're using in-game elements to make a movie. Well, they did that with Warhammer. They were doing that with Warhammer. So, mm-hmm. so I, I watched it. Uh, the graphics are fantastic for the game. Uh, very realistic. Uh, you got a couple of uh, leaders playing a game of Go in it, and I think that's uh, hugely symbolic because they're playing this strategy game, and at the same time you see all the, the units uh, that are in the game uh, fighting, raising cities, and things like that. So uh, I, I thought that was a really nice touch. So uh, everything's looking pretty good for Total War Three Kingdoms. Yes, and they're bringing back some mechanics that they haven't had for a while, like proper CD sieges, which they reintroduced in thrones of britannia the total war saga game that's having issues and they don't want to release so another big thing is that um they're not pushing the game out early because they don't want to have an issue like they had when rome 2 came out so you know there's a lot of competing interests with total war three kingdoms you know it's a new market they want to make when you make an impression, you don't get too many opportunities to make a great impression. So you want to make a great one the first time you do it. And they're going, they're going for that. So they have part of the game is going to be as authentic as can be. After the communist revolution in China, there was a time when the communist government was pretty much going around destroying everything about China, like the China's history, because they were retroactively changing it, you know, and uh, making what they did okay in a sense I, I don't know i can't really explain if you don't come from that part of the world where you had a communist government you don't really understand what was going on with communist governments in general so anyways that's a whole other conversation back to the back to the game so the two modes there's that fantastical like the romance and like you said the other mode which is going to be more like the historic so that's almost like two versions of the game so i'm very very curious to see how that plays out and uh, we're going to include some links. I'm also going to include a link for a YouTuber that I followed that's really good at analyzing stuff. And he's going to have his impressions. And, you know, you might want to check it out. It's an interesting, interesting take on the game. And uh, that's it for the moment for Total War Three Kingdoms. And uh, remember how earlier we said that there's something that we need to discuss 
about game support. Well, yeah. here here it is, Eador Imperium. So why don't you tell us about their latest their latest update, and then we can discuss that a little bit. It's an interesting question they asked. Yeah. So uh, the first thing they talk about is getting the new metal system, which is um, for units as they improve over time, and adding the function for hiring and process or provinces. That's still in process and it's coming. And then the lengthier part of the update is kind of a loaded question. How long, they say, in your opinion, should developers support their projects? And then they spend several paragraphs kind of couching that question in, uh, in, in terms that help the audience understand why they're asking it. For instance, you know, until all the games are bugs might be one answer. Or the bugs are all gone from the game. And, uh, you know, with... PC games, there are so many different combinations of video cards, RAM, keyboards, monitors, all that. You're probably not going to eliminate all the bugs for all people. You're just not. Uh, also, you know, they they hint at this and stuff we port, reported on it in the past, Nate, um, where, you know, you had the original development team that was kind of moved out and a new development team had to come in. And the game's original engine is just no longer right for this. Uh, I'm not even sure that the current developers have access to the original engine for the game. And so if they're going to really improve Eador Imperium, they'd have to put it on a whole new engine, with, which would incur a lot of expense and a lot of time. And would that be worth it for a game that has only a, a, a rather small following like this? And, you know... My advice when I did the review for the game, and then also when I've done my uh, uh, year-end articles, was to move on from Eador Masters of the Broken World and Eador Imperium and make a new Eador game on a new engine with uh, new mechanics and things like that that might get people excited about it. Uh, so I'll probably get on here on their uh, their like their their news item here, and add my two cents. A lot of the responses are in Russian that I can't read. But, you know, I would encourage Snowbird Games to really consider moving on to a, a, a new uh, sequel for this franchise. I don't think there's anything really wrong with the franchise. I, I think that um, it's got a lot of a lot of interesting elements to it. I think it's just run its course in the current incarnation and definitely could use a refresher. What do you think? Oh, I agree. And they don't even have to do a sequel. They can do a reboot. Well, that's true, too. Yeah, you could do that. Because if they're doing a new game and there's a new engine, a new mechanics, a new team, a new production, you know, then you do like a soft reboot, not a hard reboot. Mm -hmm. You do Because Masters of the Broken World was a soft reboot. And Imperium feels like a follow-up of that. So they can do like a soft reboot, which is going to be like a follow-up to Imperium, but all with all new stuff because that's the only way that they're going to reach a new audience if they keep pumping money into the existing game you know it's run its course otherwise it would be selling hundreds of thousands of copies having said that we don't know that it isn't because this is on a russian market and we're only for a while got to see how it's doing on steam you know and there's a lot of a lot of people that are buying software that's, you know, hard, like hard copies or using different ways to purchase it. So we only had, we don't even have at this point, you know, we don't have the same, you know, I guess, reliable source, if you want to call it that, if you consider Steam Spy a reliable source. So, I mean, Sergey is working on a new algorithm, trying to figure it out. But, you know, it, in a game that doesn't have hundreds of thousands of copies, the margin of error is so large that you can't even take those results all that seriously unless you have a developer that tells you, yeah, we sold, you know, 222,037 copies, in which case you're like, okay, well, we have a hard number. We can have com we can have something to compare. So I understand what they're saying, but it's an interesting question altogether because you can apply to somebody like Paradox and look at how long they support their titles. So the real answer is... If you have the player base and you have the purchasing power to support continued development for the single title, then the answer is why not? Why not keep putting stuff out until the community says, okay, we've had enough, right? Oh, yeah, I agree. And, and then you start working on the next thing. 
Or, I mean, Stardock is the same thing. Like, for a while, Galsif 3 was kind of struggling, and then Brad took over, and he's really, like, done magic with the game. And now, and they and they keep, so I'm going to talk about this bit in a little bit, but they're constantly saying, Galsif 3, we put more work into it. We're doing this, we're doing that, we're improving, and he's taking feedback, he's improving. You know, he's incorporating what he feels he can or he should. Meanwhile, all the people that were saying, oh, Civ AI is awful, Galsif 2, I mean, Civ AI is awful, period. But Galsif 3 AI was terrible. Galsif 2 AI was so much better. But now we have, like, in our community, some of the, some like the power players are like, oh, no, yeah, I had to roll down the difficulty. I can't do what I used to do. The, you know, the AI plays so much better. And you have people that appreciate it, and you have people that support and buy. So and they keep discounting the game. So they've, I mean, at last count, there were what over six hundred thousand copies, five hundred thousand copies before we stopped being able to track oh, yeah. through Steam Spy. Yeah, without doubt, six hundred something, six hundred fifty thousand or something. Like that. That's that is very admirable, and they're continuing to, you know, push their games and more power to them. So. Uh, you know what? Since I already mentioned Civ, there's here's so this is a news item that popped up on my radar. It's actually at this point it's eight months old, and it's quite possible that I had spoken about it back in November of last year when it came out. But this is from PC Gamer. It's called "The Complete History of Civilization," and this is an article from November twentieth, twenty seventeen. It's quite possible I talked about it, but because there's not too much forex news this week with this other thing going on, which we will discuss shortly. Um, I thought I'd look into it. And this article is really cool because it does really give you like a look back through like almost like a time machine. And you get to see how Civ developed and you you get to read from the various of you know various directors and producers and you know and the people that made it happen and the ones that basically found it is goes without saying, but they sculpted Forex and this brand of strategy gaming for the past 25 years, you know, and it's it's neat, it's fun for so if you don't like Civ games, obviously you're not going to care one iota about this, but if you do like them, it's worth giving a look. We'll have a link in our notes, and uh, it's interesting. Well, let's let's talk about it. Let's see what you guys think about it. Yeah, I don't think you mentioned it before, Nate, because I haven't read it before, and I'm checking it out now, and it looks really cool. I can't wait to sit down okay. and read this. This looks like a really fantastic article. And and the thing, the reason it caught my attention is this is PC Gamer. They, for the most part, most of the stuff they've released in the last couple of years has been junk. Like really, like seriously, why am I even? Why do? Why am I? I, I unsubscribed from them because the the spam and the garbage they were just spewing <laughs> on Twitter right. was just like, yeah. oh my god, I can't take this. The games. This is like okay, look, if you're promoting something, just say it. We are promoting this product. Don't don't. Don't try to pretend it's something other than what it is. So, anyways, speaking of promoting products, now I'm going to give you guys a disclaimer. And this comes up for different reasons. So, Stardock is having basically an insane sale off of the from their website. You you get access to it. And this is like RTS All-Star, Gold Editions up to 80% off. And pretty much all their games are being sold at like crazy discounts. So, you can get like full versions of games for 20 bucks. Sins of a Solar Empire, uh, Galsif 3, then, you know, if you want Ashes of a Sing... Is it Galsif 3? I think Galsif 3 is also on this. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, maybe. No, it's just... Uh, no, it's... Real well, time yeah, games. it's... Right. So then you have Offworld Trading Company, which we really liked. Ashes of the Singularity, which was kind of like mixed feelings about. But anyways, the point is, is that for 20 bucks, if there's any of these games that you want to get the game for full. Now, why am I mentioning it? Well... This is so they have a thing where they're running a promotion. So if if you like do a piece for it, you can become uh, uh, almost like they, you get a code, and if somebody buys it through your code, you know there's a kickback for you. Not a kick. What, what you know? I don't even know what to call it. There's you get a cut of the sale. So we don't do stuff like that. We have no issues talking about these types of promotions when it's for games that we like. But we we don't support making money from these things. So we'll do it for a publisher, developer, because we like them. We like their products. We like the games. But we never turn around and say, hey, guys, well, we hooked you up. Hook us up. Give us a bunch of free stuff or do this or do that. We don't do that. So the reason I'm saying this is because I had just 
two seconds ago was I was just talking about civilization and PC gamer. So that's kind of what makes us different than a lot of outlets is we don't have ads. We have the stuff that we have on YouTube. So if people use ad blocker, so be it. No big deal. You know, I use it. I can't complain if somebody else uses it, right? So and and then our only real support comes through Patreon from directly from our community where outside of YouTube, that's really it. We don't have enough stuff going on on Twitch to, you know, get all the goodies from Twitch, but we're working on that too. We're going to have very soon in the next maybe two, three weeks, we're going to fire up our Tuesday night Twitch again, various games will be open to the community to join and, you know, Hey, what would you like us to do? But blah, 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 you know, stuff like that. So this is almost like a plug for ourselves and for our Patreon page, you know, Hey guys support us. We appreciate it because through Patreon, we stay ad-free. We don't have any takeover stuff. We don't have any pretend arg- articles that you read it and you're like, oh, man, these guys are probably getting paid to say this. Oh, they're giving a game a good review or a bad review or whatever because, you know, they're, just, they're getting something behind, you know, behind closed doors. There's some secret transaction. And that's not the case. It n- has never been the case, never will be the case. If Exploraminate ever gets to that point, then Exploraminate is done. I will say this out outright. I will tell you this. If, if we have to resort to doing things like this, and you know, I'll say I'll say adieu to exterminate, and you know, start looking for an extra strategy. Having said that, I've been thinking about different strategy games that we can talk about, and one thing that we don't really discuss all that often. We have pieces, you know, we'll have an excursion or something like that. But these are the type of games, you know, like the like the bullet hell or the top down games and we've spoken like games we've played like that 1942 raid and things like that so recently i had a developer contact me with a game called dark nebula and i you know i'm i clicked on it looks interesting is it my cup of tea um no i can honestly say it isn't it might be somebody else's so we'll have a link for you guys to check it out because there's another game that's actually similar to this to a degree called transcendence that i've also been following that one is definitely more refined but again it's not a game that i personally play i just don't have the reflexes i mean i'll be honest with you i'm not i never i didn't enjoy them back then and the ones that i did enjoy i enjoyed because you're played on the at the arcade you know the stand-up machines with your friends that's a different experience than sitting at home and playing games that's why i could never get into games like diablo and things like that because i enjoyed playing what what was the what was the arcade version of that of diablo yeah the basically diablo is is um it's almost like a spiritual successor gauntlet oh yeah gauntlet right so diablo is like a spiritual successor to gauntlet a lot more refined you know it has a much deeper story but in gauntlet you know you had four friends playing this party and you had you know you had your swordsman your barbarian no you had like a paladin a barbarian uh somebody like a bow yeah you you could have either a girl that did yeah you could either have an archer that was her. I think she was an elf. And you can have a, a dwarf axeman or you can have a mage, a human mage or something like that. But anyways, the point is, yeah, is that, that's what it was. you know, those games were fun. You were playing with your friends. It was, you know, you're in an arcade. There's all this thing going around you, you know. But like playing them at home, it was never the same, you know. So maybe we have members in our community that are really excited by these top, you know, top-down games. So, you know, from from time to time, we'll throw, you know, see if somebody bites on it but again it's not because we're getting anything out of it and it's not because there's a secret backroom deal it's because hey you know we gotta cover something else too i mean there's lots of strategy games out there it's not just the few that we cover week in week out you know yeah for sure uh transcendence looks a little bit like um star control to me yeah it's got some of the same ideas where you know you're you're kind of role-playing in a galaxy that's bigger than you and there's all these big things going on you kind of have your own yep. thing happening so yeah all right i wouldn't be surprised if if uh, transcendence took inspiration from star control i mean plenty of games do that to one another oh yeah so there's nothing wrong with it i don't see a problem with it for sure all right well let's talk about um imperator rome here for a little bit and we got an update from paradox about it this week and uh, they started off talking about Sicily, and they're talking about they, they want to give you a sense of scale for this game. So in Europa Universalis 2, Sicily had two provinces. In Crusader Kings 2, it had five provinces. In EU 4, it had three. In Hearts of Iron 4, it had nine. 
and in Imperator Rome, it's going to have 23. They'll be called cities this time instead of provinces, but still, it's the same thing. 23 cities and four impassable mountain ranges. That is a massive scale. And they talk about, okay, what is going to be kind of the boundary for Imperator Rome? Uh, well, Britain's going to be there. Uh, they're going to have the southern tips of Scandinavia, uh, Egypt, Ethiopia, and all the way to uh, western India, which uh, is about where um, Alexander's empire stopped. So the, the scale for this is going to be pretty big. And if something as small as Sicily has 23 provinces or cities in it that you've got to worry about, I can't imagine like what playing on a full map is going to be oh, yeah. like, you know, all the, you know, all yeah. of Northern Africa, you know, I mean, it just like, it, it's, it's huge. It's just massive. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they help the player manage like all of that. Not just manage, navigate. Yeah. There's going to be so much info there. Like, I don't know if the user interface that they have now, like take Stellaris, for example, there it's, it's pretty heavy this user interface. There's so many things going on there that I don't know if it's going to work. You know, they might need to start working on something new, a new way to present information because it's just, that's, that's for me as a player, that's one of the difficulties of Stellaris is going through the user interface, figuring out which filters to use when I'm looking for information. And like, if you don't use the right one, you don't find what you're looking for. And it gets very frustrating, you know, but you're like, Oh, this is space. So it's okay. I'm playing with aliens. But like if you're on Earth and you're playing with humans and there's some quasi-accuracy, historical accuracy, you know, it's going to hit you differently. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, also, they're talking about like uh, what, when do we start this game, right? Because, I mean, that, that's how these uh, grand strategy games for Paradox work. You have a starting year and an ending year, and, you know, you just play through that, and you see kind of how you do. And so they talked, okay, well, we could start the game around uh, 150 BC, and uh, that's, uh, you know, before Rome took over Britain, um, and, uh, you know, before Caesar went on all his conquests. But they decided to go with something a little bit later. They're going with the year 304 BC. Or did I say later? I meant earlier. 304 BC. Yeah, I was like, wait, later? Hold yeah. on. <laughs> 304 BC. And, um, you know, they, they because they want to include, like, some of the original Germanic tribes in Scandinavia, they, they want to, uh, I, I, I think they want to capitalize on uh, the, 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 the various wars and the rise of Rome. So, um yeah, 304 BC, I think, is when they're going to be starting this game, uh, you know, within the lore. Or at least that's what it states here. Our, was cal our start date of 304 places us during the migration period. So, all right. So, uh, there's that. And, um, you know, the, they basically spent most of the update giving their justification for how big the map is, which is humongous, and when the start date is, which I think is a fine choice. So, that's interesting because... Historically speaking, the, the society or the civilization that the Romans rose from were the Etruscans. And there, if I remember correctly, and this I'm going off the top of my head, their civilization as, as we know it ended around maybe 260-something B.C. So there was an overlap between Roman Etruscan, the Etruscan civilization, and they They were around during the Greek times, so it's it's interesting. And the way Roman Imperator ends is it almost leads into Crusader Kings too. So is it going to be like Imperator Rome, right? And then Crusader Kings two, then Europa Universalis. Then at some point they're going to create something to bridge the gap between that and Stellaris. Well, uh, <laughs> Victoria, Victoria, no, yeah, kind of follows still, EU. It's right, online. but Victoria doesn't go into the... It's through the beginning of the Industrial Age through, I think, World War II. Yeah, and then you got Hearts of Iron. Then, yeah, then you have Hearts of Iron, but that's just World War II. So then you need something after Hearts of Iron. But yeah, it's funny. It's like they're... I mean, 
they're really doing the civilization thing, you know? Yeah, really. It's, they're moving from, you know, from Iron Age past, you know, intergalactic conquest age. So it's cool. I mean, hey, I'm, I'm game. I'm game. If they do a good job with it, why not, right? Yeah, I think it's cool. So, and, and so let's continue on the Paradox boat. As you might know, we there are a few of us here in Exploraminate that are fans of Battletech, which is from Hairbrain Schemes, which is a studio that is being their game is being published by Paradox. Well, this past week it was announced that Paradox bought the studio. So even though Hairbrain Schemes will remain its own little creative center under Paradox. Paradox is no longer going to be the publisher. Paradox will be the studio. So it's basically at this point a self-published game. And it gives me both hope and at the same time a tiny bit of despair. Now, why hope? Because I'm really, really enjoying Battletech. By the way, the excursion is written. It is it's fantastic, but it is really long. It is on lengthwise, it is the length of a full-blown 5X review if not maybe even a little bit longer, but the the author of the piece is a massive fan and you're going to get that when you're reading it. And it's, it's great. It's a good write-up. And you'll see it soon enough. But anyways, back to the point. So with Paradox at the wheel is, is the studio Hairbrain Skins. They're going to be able to maintain what they're doing with Battletech or is the mantra like, okay, we need this much DLC, we need this much this, this much that, going to change how the game would have been otherwise. Yet, on the flip side, it might also mean that the game gets a lot of support for a long period of time. So some of, some of the things that I want very likely will actually happen because this is what Paradox does for their games. They actually they listen to what the players want, and some of the things I want, I've heard others repeat, so it's not like I'm the only one who wants this thing. So maybe I'll get what I want, and, you know, knowing Paradox, this is a game that has legs. So, yeah, I'm excited, tiny bit apprehensive, but mostly excited. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it. And uh, for our last bit of gaming news, Phoenix Point, which, which is another game that I'm insanely excited about, and probably there are more a few people that are too, and others that are like, oh God, Nate, enough! Just go play XCOM too. I, this is what it's really about. Stop looking for all of these surrogates to take its place. <laughs> but anyways, so they switched their storefront, and now they have it's a more traditional storefront. They're putting out more updates like the lore. There's um, as a backer, I've had access to the backer build, which I haven't played, and they've they've done an update to it, which I haven't played either. And I probably won't get to play for another maybe month or two. I have other commitments. But the point is, is that they keep putting stuff out. They were going to release the game at the end of this year, but they're pushing it back to next year. I think like June, May or June next year. And the reason they're doing it is because they got such so much good feedback and so much support through their campaign for the game that they're like, okay, we need to utilize it, but as a result, we also have to change things around the game, took on more scope. So there's a potential for feature creep, absolutely. But I think with Julian Gallup at the wheel, and I think that's not going to be an issue, but we'll kind of have to wait and see. So, yeah. What do you think about the latest this week? Yeah, um, the latest from Steam this week was pretty disappointing. Um I think last week, Nate, we reported on, like, I mean, basically, how would we fix Steam, right? And uh, you said, well, what they need to do is they, they need to charge people, like, a big wad of money, get their game on Steam, and, you know, this sort of thing. And uh, because Steam had just finished taking off a bunch of games with uh, what some might call objectionable content, right? And there was a fan backlash, like, as... Anything, anytime you change anything, right? It, do, it almost doesn't even matter what it is. Uh, anytime you change anything, there's going to be a backlash uh, among people. Yeah, there's some fans somewhere that's like, yeah, yeah, you know, there are people invested in practically anything. And when it gets changed, they're going to register uh, their dislike for the change. And then, of course, anyone who is in charge of something that has to be changed must weigh the, the pros of the change versus the cons of the backlash, right? And Steam has a rather long history of not weighing those pros and cons and then just 
muddling through in some way, trying to find a, a way to patch things up after they've made their sudden change without like really talking it over with anybody. And so this past week, Valve said, you know what? We're tired of people getting angry at us, so we're just going to allow anything on Steam. It doesn't matter, good or bad or, or you know, um, adult content. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Just put it on Steam. We're, we're tired of people yelling at us. We can't take it anymore. Uh, so just whatever. Don't care. And for me, Nate, I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can come up with another example. But for me, this this has to be the the biggest example of laziness I've ever seen in a multi-billion-dollar corporation. I've never seen a company that rakes in billions of revenue each year just say, you know, we're not even going to try anymore. People got angry at us, and that hurt our feelings. So. Just screw it. Just do whatever you want. And have have you ever heard of a multi-billion-dollar company? Yes. Just yes. Being lazy. Being lazy. Yes. Who? Yes. YouTube. No, no. They're constantly managing YouTube all the time. No, no. They're being lazy. No, they're not being lazy. They're they're being. I, active I'll I'll and, tell you uh, why. No, they just implemented okay. YouTube Live, and that's gone over really well. Uh, people are raking I'll tell in all you. kinds of donations from it. They're they're not lazy. They might be misguided, but they're not lazy. No, no. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I say that. Now, I'm sure people will be like, Nate, you're crazy. I'm not. I'll explain to you why I say that. Laziness comes under many guises. Now, being busy and trying new things does not mean you're not lazy. Do you see what I'm saying? No, not at all. That means that you have found... <laughs> I'll tell you. Because you know, it's counter counterintuitive. You're like you're hearing this, and you're like, no, that's that's different. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example. You know the saying, if you're gonna do something, do it well, or don't do it at all. I'm sure you've heard it maybe once or a million times from PE coaches and from writers. Yeah, and from it's usually applied producers. to uh, something that people ha have proven before. It's not very experimental. They it's half half assed is what it comes down to. Don't half-ass. Well, th this isn't even half of an ass. This no, isn't no. even the front half of a donkey or the back half of a donkey. This is just oh, no donkey what, at all. They're just like, this is, no, we no, don't this give is a donkey a, about this oh. anymore. So, Oh, no, 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 no. This is a donkey. No. This is a whole herd of donkeys <laughs> with their asses out, taking a dump on the general community and everybody around and being like, nyeh, 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 you know? We got no competition, so we're gonna do whatever. This is that's what it is. I will. I want to finish what I said about YouTube real quick because sure, sure. I'm, I know people are gonna jump all over me in the comments. <laughs> what I'm talking about, I'll explain why. If you want to do something right, at least at this point, maybe maybe this will change later on. Probably will change, but at least for now, uh, with that, when you're dealing with people. You have to use people. If you turn over everything to algorithms that you write and you're trying to dial it in, in the process, alienating your community, destroying whole lot of stuff, that's being lazy, even though you're putting stuff out. That's being derivative. We've, we keep hearing the same thing over and over and over from YouTube, that we're there, everything's being done for our benefit, and it's not, you know? Having said that, let me move on to Steam. With them, it's different, but it's the same. They're like, on the one hand, oh, we, we got insulted. We got our feelings hurt. If we let everybody in, then we don't have to keep anybody out except stuff that we don't like and stuff that we find offensive. So, okay, that's very strange. It's a strange thing to say because that is what they said. That's the yeah. Any obvious attempt at trolling, oh, we're going to stop. So half of the games that they let on are obvious attempts at trolling. Trolling. The other 49.99% should be burned. If you took all the games on Steam and you eliminated 99% of the games on Steam, nobody would know. Nobody would notice. Nobody would care. The majority of stuff on Steam right now is crap. Utter and complete crap. And I'm already having a conversation with somebody based on last week's show, and I will double down on it. It is crap. Okay, guys? Crap. Rehashed warmed over crap now i'm not talking about oh nate you just like this one game it's not just look just forget about review bombs forget about this steam removed negative comments you click on a game 
you how do they handle negative comments you don't see them anymore you only see the good stuff how what if people review bomb oh we can't deal with that here just here's only the good things so the negative reviews, it's difficult to find them. You can't just, before you could, when you click on a game, you see positive, you see negative. Now you don't. Now you click on a game, you see only positive. Like, let's say you leave a review, it'll tell you, oh, so many people found it helpful, so many people this, so many people that. But it doesn't tell you who found it unhelpful. You, you don't have this information. That's how Steam deals with problems. So now the problem is, oh, the community doesn't like it when we take this off. Fine, we're going to let everybody on. So the comment that I'm dealing with in from last week's show has to do with the fact of my idea about raising the bar for entry. So if you go back maybe a year, maybe nine months to when green green light was ended and there was the maybe six months, however long ago, eight months, how long however long ago it was, my initial fear was that the price of entry would be too high. So the good developers, the ones that need a chance, won't be able to make it. Having seen what happens with the price of admission being too low, they don't get a chance anyways. So they can afford to spend 5000 10000 15000 sure. But they can't get any traction. Nobody knows who they are. You, nobody, it's like, like Steam says, what Valve says, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to, they're doing the curator page. Okay, great. Uh, we're going to give people more tools in order to filter out games. Fine. I've been doing using these tools for something like two and a half years years now three years now i've been trying to filter the feed recommend the games new games things like that what i see on steam on the main page on steam and there's constantly stuff being snuck in that like i have every single thing on there as something i don't want to see if it says free to play here's a digit for you to look at if it says first person shooter here's another digit for you to look at you know it's like all these games and then a game that triggers every single one of these things i don't want will appear with all of its friends and it's like okay where's where's uh you know where are these so-called filters and now another thing i noticed the past few days some games automatically start uh they automatically start to autoplay a video so you can't even pause that video. If you try to pause it, it locks up your Steam, so you can't. You're stuck watching. Oh, it. I hate so that. I hate that so bad. Right? You know what I'm talking about, oh, right? Oh yeah. So it's like I. This is a game that I'm trying to put not interested. Not that I want to watch a three minute commercial for. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I don't know. I, we definitely have to start thinking about good old games more seriously as a platform. It's just they don't have the infrastructure to compete with Steam. And that's sad, because I think at this point they're a better service. Having said that, the reason we don't have more Forex news this week is because everybody is going to E3. So expect some fun stuff about a week or two from now. Yeah, there will be and a lot of little. Bit, there's going to be a lot of companies there. We'll learn a lot of new things. Uh, I know Stardock's going to be there, and yep, they're we'll, going to show Star Control. Yeah, we'll get some news on Star Control, maybe some of their other projects, and so that mm -hmm. that's going to be really exciting to report on next time yep yep and there's already like today there's leaks so-called leaks coming out about some of the games that are going to be featured at e3 that looking very promising so okay so let me ask you this since you're already on your break or just started your break what have you been playing uh actually i didn't have much time to play hardly anything this week i i've been just wrapping things up and getting ready for vacation so i haven't had hardly any time to play anything at all so what about you just battle tech mostly and only BattleTech. Awesome. And I'm. I think I'm very. Either I'm very close to beating the game, like the narrative part of the game, or there's a big, big, big twist coming that I don't see yet. That's going to significantly extend the campaign, which would be really cool, but I highly doubt it. But yeah, it's that. That's it. And mostly editing. You know, it's hard to to play games when your free time is spent yeah. editing content and putting stuff up and trying to figure out new ways to. You know, get people interested. So, but yeah, we got some fun stuff coming down the line. All right, very good. Is in there the, anything? The uh, is there anything else you want to say before we close up? Sure. So, by the time that you hear this podcast, part two of our lore piece for Gladius will be up. For basically, Warhammer 40k is a kind of a primer, so you know what's happening when you're playing Gladius: Relics of War. So that should be up. And uh, I think that's it. Just uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our patrons for supporting us. You all rock. Wish there were a few more of you. But, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we, you'll be noticing more activity from us on Twitch in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. 
and the videos for YouTube are going to resume more to be more frequent videos again. Our guys are all coming back from their various breaks, so there should be more stuff coming up. And I think that's it. What about you, Troy? Oh, that's it. Uh, we just like to thank everyone for joining us. We really liked having you here on the podcast listening. And uh, we wish you well this week. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.